0: This is uh, Joshua Bell with the kilt and the cloth. This is our Exodus Bible study. We are starting on Exodus chapter 2. And just to kind of refresh our memories a little bit, uh, we had this really great discussion, um, and the recording will be coming out this week. But um, we had this really great dis- discussion about Torah and, and this idea of, of where we came from and uh, what's its purpose, you know. So there's the purpose of the book of Exodus and all of Torah yeah, get it a little bit here. Okay. Is to not <laughs> no, geez. uh yeah, it's it's time here is it's to not prove that these stories took place. It's to talk about their faith. If these stories took place, make sense. So for them, Moses is, is a hero. He is he is a hundred percent what we would call in the Hebrew world of a Shiach. Uh, again, this is where a, a dry erase board would be great, but uh, I don't need to haul one in here at all. The, the point of this would be is, is that the Hebrew Bible is kind of like a diamond. When you talk about the Hebrew Bible, the whole the whole focus starts off with, we, we call it the theodicy of the Bible, of the Hebrew Bible. Starts off where everybody's in chesed or in the covenant with God. Um, everything's going great. Life is good. Uh, manna comes from heaven. Life is, everybody's happy. And then And eventually humans will mess up and they fall from, uh, I don't want to say grace, but they fall from the covenant. They break their promise. Remember the whole meta narrative of the Hebrew Bible is God does not break promises. Humans do that. So the humans break their promise. They fall out of heaven. So they're over here on this side of of the diamond. And what ends up happening is somewhere along the way, they find themselves wandering in the wilderness. And as they wander through this wilderness, they look around for things. They continue to stumble and fall. But somewhere, a Mashiach comes and brings them into a right relationship with God, basically to that final part of the diamond where they repent. And that, then when they've repented and they've paid their offerings to God, then they're right back and tested again it just repeats over and over and over again. So these Mashiachs are really important as, as uh, characters in the Hebrew Bible. And, uh, but it, it, it could have been John Smith for all they care. The name wasn't as important, but Moses was important by his name because it's Egyptian. It's not a Hebrew name. So, so they, they wanted to make sure you understood how this worked. Now, what, one of the things that's a little frustrating and scary is that when we read text this way, we've been told our entire lives that, you know, everything in the Bible had to have happened exactly the way that it was written. And so when we, when we read Exodus, for example, we automatically go to the things that we know like Charlton Heston. And we think Mm -hmm. the 10 commandments, or we think uh, the, what was the Prince of Egypt movie that came out that was so good. Uh, And so when we talk about Moses, especially he is the ultimate Mashiach for them because his ultimate job is to get the people out of, out of uh Egypt. And, it, and it's, for lack of a better phrase, fantastical. Like the way, the way everything that he does, from the moment that he's born until the moment he dies, is just humongous. Nothing small. So he becomes the ultimate superhero for the Hebrew culture. <clears throat> and, uh, I'm used, and I'm gonna use, and I'm a, this is where I told everybody, I warned you before you guys got started, I'm going to geek out. <laughs> so uh, you all know that I, I love comic books and I love all, all the ways those things are written or graphic novels or whatever people want to call it. And I, and I love superhero movies, mainly because superheroes are reminiscent of Roman and Greek gods and goddesses and demigods and things. And it's really cool. And the idea is that these humans have uh, abilities beyond other humans that cannot be explained, it just just happened. Well, comic books explain it. This person falls into a vat of acid, they turn into something. This one gets shot by a cosmic ray from Jupiter, now they're this, right? And and the the funny thing is is, is that if you look throughout history and all of literature and all the genres, you will find these heroes being elevated in such a way because of their strength, their integrity, their ability to guide people, uh, their abilities to to uh, bring comfort to the masses um, and their superhuman abilities are explained in the Bible. Like, why is it this person is so awesome? Moses is so awesome because God chose him. Now, a Mashiach in the Hebrew Bible has to have been chosen by God, not the people. It's really important that you hear me say that. God has to choose the the hero of the story. Now, people will elevate heroes, right? So Saul, for example. King Saul is lifted up by the people as being the perfect person to be king. God says, if you let him be king, these are the things that are going to happen. They're like, it's okay. We want him as king. And then God chooses David, right? And David is this little child, And so you know that the way that the writers are putting this story together is going to be this uh, animosity. There's going to be friction the whole time. But ultimately, David uh, overcomes and and becomes king of Israel. So Moses is that kind of a person. Moses chose, I mean, God chose Abraham and Sarah. And from their lineage, we get to Moses eventually. (laughs) Right? And so... Uh, We end Genesis with uh, the last bit of Joseph, uh, Joseph's lineage, and then now comes Moses. And the very first part we read last week is there are multiple pharaohs. There happens to be a pharaoh that's near where Moses is, next to the Nile. And in order for them not to have an uprising, because the Hebrews have now continued to Populate. Populate. There you go. I was <laughs> trying to find a good word to say, and I the could <clears throat> They they have now overpowered and po- overpopulated the Egyptian culture. So, so one of the struggles that we have here is: is what do we do with this? um So, the Pharaoh, pharaoh's answer to this, which was a part of the culture, was: well, let's just kill all the men, get get rid of them, they will take care of all the problems. Because if you don't have men, they they can't, can't keep you know, And then they, it, that, they found out that wasn't wrong. So then, then he says, well, okay, so then we'll have all the midwives get rid of the children, throw them in the Nile. And well, all of a sudden, they didn't throw them in the Nile. And they just keep overpopulating. Pharaoh's completely upset. And so that's where he ends up with every boy that is born, you shall throw it in the Nile. Let every girl live. <clears throat> and, and again, I want to make sure I keep saying this over and over again. Anthropologically or historically, <clears throat> there is no archaeological evidence this ever took place. Uh, I, I, there, there was a time in about the 40s and 50s that there was a massive archaeological dig. You know, I mean, after after King Tut was found, uh, there's just this emphasis to find more Egyptian pharaohs, right? And King Tut was just this massive find and all of these things took place so archaeology took really a strong hold in 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 Egypt well what ends up happening is the 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 bible people wanted to start proving bits and pieces of the history of the Hebrew culture so there's a lot of money being thrown into Egyptian antiquity so that we could try to find where where did this happen like we know specific places Nile river red sea uh, well, you. We, know, we know these geographical places, uh, so we got we to prove it. Well, it has, is, it has not turned out fruitless, but it has not turned out very fruitful. Like you, it's very hard to find the stuff. And like I said last week, you know, the three chariots that we find at the bottom of the Red Sea does not equal an army of a thousand. But <laughs> it does for the purpose of our discussion. Um, the goal is to not prove it, but to hear how God's um, providence is going through this entire story. How how does it affect the people? How would it affect us if we're looking at it from the outside, which we're supposed to be doing? Um, if this is if this is truly a God thing and God has raised this superhero, how does that happen? That's the purpose of the story. So. You have to have, as a comic book hero, you always have to have an origin story. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's read chapter two. A certain man of the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. Well, oh, thank you. The woman conceived <laughs> and bore a son. <clears throat> and when she saw how beautiful he was, ding, 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 always has to say that, <laughs> she hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a wicker basket for him and cocked it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child into it and placed it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile and his sister stationed herself at a distance to learn what would befall him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the Nile while her maiden swapped along the Nile, she spied the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to fetch it. When she opened it, she saw that it was a child, a boy crying. She took pity on it and said, this must be a Hebrew child. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go get you a Hebrew nurse to suckle the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter answered, yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child and nurse it for me, and I will pay your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. And when the child grew up, she brought it to Pharaoh's daughter, who made him her son. She named him Moses, explaining him, I drew him out of the water now just to pause really quick is uh moses's name in egyptian is not i drew him out of the water the egyptian it means gave birth so uh, this is supposed to be a play on words um what what does the nile do what well, brings life right so the pharaoh's daughter Pulls the child. Well, she doesn't do anything. But the pharaoh, the pharaoh's daughter, order, orders the child to come up out of the water. Therefore, the water gave birth. Ergo, Moses. Now, what you'll see is is our translation say, well, it means that what was it? It's it. I drew
1: him out. I drew him out of the water. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cute. It's not
0: what it means, <clears throat> but it's a nice sentiment. So you can see that's a. It's, this is where Jane Woodward would say. This is a Levitical priest entrance. That is correct. <clears throat> the objective here is to tell the story in such a way. So now let's look at some characteristics. In every origin story in comic books, it's either the kid has really bad parents, so the kid becomes evil, or the kid has really good parents, and the kid becomes a hero, right? Uh, and then something happens, and he separated from his family. In this story, how does Moses get created?
1: From good people. From good people? How do you know they're good? We assume they are
2: because they were Levites. Because they're Levites. back when we had the 10 sons, 11 sons, we said, they said Levi was one of
0: the (coughs) troublemakers. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the people that would be writing this book happen to be Levitical priests. It's (laughs) their own kind. It's their own kind. So a Levite man had to have had a child with a levite woman and here comes this perfect and he's beautiful yeah. did you catch that and he's yeah. good looking right baby <clears throat> but we don't get their names it's not important to them who's Moses' sister Miriam. Yeah.
3: how do you know that it comes later
0: it comes later <laughs> in the story you yeah. see how this works
3: and that was leave there moses's sister that took that was watching him
0: from from yeah, a
2: distance yes well we assume he may have
0: had more sisters than that ah no let's see we can't think logically Sally, <laughs> uh, uh, so this really is every bit of a historical comic book like we we don't know all, <laughs> the, the, all of the extra stuff but but look at how interesting the story begins well it's a levite from born from a levite so they've got to be perfect because, you know, Levitical priests are writing this. And then on top of that, he was beautiful. And he's got a sister, but we don't know exactly how many sisters. But this one stood off in the distance to watch. And then just coincidentally, did, then did what? To get the
3: mother to suffer.
0: Then got his own mom to, to, to wean it. Now look, look at what it says. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Pharaoh sought to take his child. And then in the, So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, grew older, our grew older. Years
2: has up, yeah, which sounds like he's eighteen or something. Yes, in the the
0: Hebrew, (laughs) in the Hebrew translation, in the Hebrew translation, you get the idea that he's like in his teens. So he, so it's it's really fascinating because when the Septuagint translated it, it, you get well, you know, when he was two or three, you know, maybe. But in the hebrew it's like no, no 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 that mom took care of him until he was 12. why, why would that be a, a joke
1: with them? with the egyptians?
0: yeah well for the hebrew culture if the hebrew culture translates it as when he grew up versus when he you know he's a child why, why would it be if we're looking at the hebrew culture why would that be funny? <clears throat>
2: considered
0: an at that point yeah so who really raised him his
3: mother
0: his actual biological mom mm-hmm.
3: who was, was
0: a levi who was a levi who's perfect and a good person that's right and, and it gets better then so does the pharaoh's daughter actually really care about moses who knows who knows but the way if you translate from hebrew into english it gives this impression that god even took care of him until he was old enough to make his own choices.
2: Well I thought always that they had to be good people, but the mother was sorrowful, but she was having to do this. So she's the one that sent out one of the girls in the family that says, I want you to see what happens. Yeah, what happens and I mean it's
3: yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well and the question favored. Why why did they send him as a baby? It's not important to the story, evidently.
0: Well, you get chapter one. <clears throat> excuse me. You're
3: killing to the baby. Kill. I
0: was I was kill kill the, they're trying to keep him from getting killed. And that's definitely happening. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't give us a timeline for how long that's supposed to take no. place. So there's like these little holes that are there on purpose. So that's, his
2: mother thought this was the best option.
0: It's right. Well, I would much rather the the Nile take mm-hmm. him than the Egyptians. Yeah. And then the Egyptians eventually end up taking him anyway.
2: <laughs> but alive.
0: But, but yes. alive. <clears throat> and then the joke then becomes for them, and not mm-hmm. only so much so that the Egyptian pharaoh's daughter took care of the kid till he was old enough to make his own choices, and he obviously she obviously didn't even you know his own mom took care of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like so that's it's mm-hmm. it's um. But that, that's not irony. That would be that's uh, yes, noxymore. <laughs> so there's this, how does that work? <clears throat> so there's this uh, so there's this weird Hebrew joke going on that this is what happened, even to make Moses even more elevated amongst the Egyptian people, even though he's a slave. You see how that works?
1: Kind <clears throat> of
2: like in God's world, you can't make this step
0: up, right? <laughs> you literally can't make this step up. So let's keep going. <clears throat> yeah. So it's allergies, and then my throat is getting dry. <clears throat> Sometime after that, when Moses had grown up, no, my mind says that. What you're saying? Grown up when Drown he up. is older. Older. Uh-huh. <laughs> he went and uh, out to his kinsfolk and witnessed their labors. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his kinsmen. He turned this way and that. And seeing no one about, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the hand. When he went out the next day, he found two Hebrews fighting. So he said to the offender, why do you strike your fellow? He retorted, who made you chief and ruler over us? Do you mean to kill us as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was frightened and thought, "Then the matter is known. When Pharaoh learned of the matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the Pharaoh. He arrived in the land of Midian and sat down beside a well. So I'm pause right there. So, is <clears throat> old enough to, to see somebody being mistreated. He kills the Egyptian, which is not good kosher act. <laughs> um, and then he buries them, uh, also not good kosher act. The hiding the evidence. Hiding the evidence. And you weren't supposed
2: to touch a dead person. You're not
0: supposed to touch a dead person according to Torah. <clears throat> So then he leaves. You weren't
1: supposed to murder. Right. Well, Let's
0: not forget that that's in the Ten Commandments. Yes. Um, You know, uh, so this this all takes place. And now we get to the, and he sits down beside a well. There are multiple books. And you guys have, some of you have heard me say this before. And some of you have to hear it again. There's a reason that in every story in the Hebrew Bible and New Testament, that when they sit next to a well the story is going to change you're going one direction the well becomes the ark every time <clears throat> coincidentally 85% of the time a woman is at that well almost 85% of the time and that woman is affects change positively it's a, there's a whole bunch of books written about the well the people being at the well uh, women being at the well, and, and the, the point I want to make here is, is that for the well is tied to the woman on purpose. It's a, it's a, a sociological construct. <clears throat> now, I'm going to be, I don't think it's crass, I'm just going to be academic for a second. So, a well brings life and sustenance to the community, right? The woman, therefore, in the Hebrew culture, their job is to do what?
1: Water the flocks.
0: Water the flocks. And, and they pull, water for, pull yes. water for their families. But they also, and, and they if we took the away they bring life. <laughs> and they bring life and sustenance to the community. This is not always the case. Uh, there are plenty of women in the, in the Bible that choose not to do this. The, the culture has always elevated this idea that women at the well also represent the fruit, uh, the fruit, fruitfulness of a woman. You know, if, think about it. When you talk about it in the Hebrew culture, if a woman does not have a child, she's referred to as what? Barren. Barren. That's an agricultural term. If a, if a land has no nutrients and has no water, it doesn't bring crops, crops ergo doesn't bring life. So it's, it becomes, it's, it's not that the man's at fault, it's the woman. So you see the, catch 22 here. So here at this well, this is a big, important thing. And this is one of the very first times you see it. So the well brings life. The women bring life. uh, The women that don't bring life, there is desert as and barren, uh, there is barren as a desert, right? Which is garbage. And that's not. Accurate, but that's how the Levitical priests look at it. So you're going to hear that a couple times. Um, but then, as the Hebrew Bible continues, you'll see women that say, I, I choose not to have a kid. What? Maybe you choose not to have a kid. I don't know. Ask Esther. You know, that, that's a good question. So, uh, <clears throat> oh, she's a Bible character? Yeah, yeah, she's kind of a big person. And anyway, so. So you get to these parts where women have the ability to make their own choices. Yeah. Uh, so you have this whole this whole idea of, of women and, the, and being tied to this well. So here we go. Did anybody want to ask or say anything there? I'm, I'm kind of going fast. I don't need to. Okay. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They all came to draw water. And filled the troughs to water their father's flock. But shepherds came and drove them off. Moses rose to their fence. Oh, there he goes. They're superhero again. Mm -hmm. And he watered their flock. When they returned to their father's rule, he said, how is it that you have come back so soon today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, where is he then? Why did you leave this man? Ask him to break bread. Oh, wait. That's a Torah-based conversation. Hmm. Uh, asking for great bread, Moses consented to stay with the man and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah as his wife. Well, that was sweet. She <laughs> bore a son named, and he named him uh, Gershaw, uh which uh, in Hebrew means um, a stranger. Um, a, yeah, a stranger. Uh, I think it might... I I can't read. what does it say, Kim? A stranger there. Uh, So, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, he says. A long time after that, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites were groaning under the bondage and cried out, and their cry for help from the bondage rose up to God. God heard their moaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Okay, so just pause right there. I like the statement God remembered. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, oh, oh yeah,
2: <laughs> I forgot it. I told you I, I, I did <laughs> yeah. I've got these people out here. So
0: yeah. <laughs> and I guess I did make a promise to them. You know
2: <laughs> several.
0: So this is also uh uh this is also one of those moments where
1: I'm trying. To, I'm trying not to go on a rabbit trail.
0: <laughs> well, first off, the terminology that God here—notice that God—the name God is used a lot. It's—it's it's the word Elohim. Uh, you know, in this—in this moment, there's a lot of a lot of speculation as to why this little section is in here. Okay, so. I'm not going to go full on rabbit trail, but I'll give you bits and pieces. Just remember that when you read the entire Torah, you want to think of it. There's, a, there's an outline. But we know we want to talk about the creation. We, we want to talk about Noah. We want to talk about uh, Abram and Sarai. You know, we want, we want to talk about those. Things. and we got to get to Joseph. You can hear him saying this, right? As there's this outline. And then in between the spaces, you have these little weird statements. God remembers his people that he never wrote promises with, you know. What we call these are these, oh, we need to add a, another section here in this outline. So this is what we would call the Levitical insert, right? This is a, now we got to prove, we gotta, We got to bridge the gap. We got these major stories we gotta tell. So here's this biblical insert. Remember that God that we were talking about from Genesis? Yeah. He remembers his people that have been in bondage this whole time. That that's supposed to be a worshipful moment. I, I want you to think about it as the Hebrews have always, in some way or another, as they're writing this, have been in bondage. They've been enslaved for hundreds of years. It's not just Egypt. It's not a Egypt thing. Yeah. It's not a new thing for them. So they've got to find some humor. They've got to find some rationale. You know, they've got to, they've got to, I don't want to psychologize this, but they've got to create in such a way that connects them to God again. Remember that the odyssey that we talked about, the diamond, right? Wandering in the wilderness is where they find themselves all the time, just like us, right? So there's got to be a way to connect it. So I I love this passage. However, I would would put it in the category of a Levitical insert. Uh, There's there's a lot of ways to talk about this. I'm not going to go into them, but we have what's called uh, Elohists. There's uh, the Elohim focus uh, writers, there's the the judges writers. So you have E H J P. I don't remember what the other one is. Um, And that we know that there, there was multiple authors putting together the book of Exodus. That's the point I'm trying to make. But does it take away from the story?
1: It fills the gap. It fills the gap.
0: And, 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 and then how does it fill that gap? By well, giving a purpose for God to choose Moses. Exactly. And we've got to create him as the
1: Mashiach. But how does God hear them? How does God hear the Israelites? Mm-hmm. They're groaning really loud. They're groaning really loud. How, how does
0: one groan? They're calling
1: out. Yeah. Know. How
0: does how does one groan? In your own faith. If you're in pain and suffering, cry out, prayer, cry pray. out, pray. You see how this is a worshipful thing. In the Jewish culture, there are multiple prayers. The, this is what we would call. The, hang on. Kiddush. I think it's a kiddish where they are crying out to God. So it's an act of worship. Okay. It's supposed to be a, a prayer. Uh, we're, we're praying out to God. God finally hears us. And then there's lots of prayers. God, are you there? And, hello, it's me again, God. You know, uh, and, and, and you get that in the Psalms. So that's a really cool thing. But it's obviously leading us up
1: to what? god choosing
0: god. moses god choosing moses so let's figure out what that looks like in chapter 3 it says now moses tending the flock of his father-in-law jethro notice his name has changed yes he was rule Ruel mm-hmm. is the kind of the name of the place is what they with what Hebrew scholars will tell you but jethro becomes his name they keep saying he's a priest of midian <clears throat> and he follows torah i don't know if anybody caught that that Drove the flock into the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And an angel angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire out of a bush. He gazed and there was a bush all aflame, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside to look at this marvelous sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up when the... When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he answered, here I am. That's a really important phrase to remember. Here I am. God calls. The response is, here I am. Uh, You're going to see that theme throughout the entire Hebrew Bible. And actually, the word I am is kind of important, too.
2: Mine says, who is it?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that could be a problem. <laughs> in, 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 that, in that moment, that's that's a translation difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then in verse five, he said, Do not come closer, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. I am. Uh, do, do you see how that works? Notice that her said, who, who is it? It's a good English translation, not necessarily good from Hebrew to English, but it's a good English but translation.
2: But at least God tells him who he is. That's right.
0: Yeah. So the, this is the only time that you ever hear God giving anybody in their name, his name. He tells somebody else, I am.
2: Or yeah. I am hey, I am. Hagar.
0: Hagar. Okay. He says to Hagar, uh, she says, Who are you? He says, I am what I am. And here it is. He goes, I am. And it was just like, okay, well, thank you. Um and, and again, I'm not going to go into the whole power dynamic and conversation, but there's this is a this is a problem. You know, you can't if you name something, you have power and dominion of it in the Hebrew world. So if you name God, then you theoretically have power and dominion over God, which is impossible, which is why they don't have a name for God. He said, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. There's a Levitical statement. I cannot look at the face of God, because I will die. The Lord continued, I have marked well the plight of my people in Egypt, and have heeded their outcry because of their taskmasters. Yes, I am mindful of their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians and to bring them out. Of that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the region of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. Moreover, I have seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Come therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, and you shall free my people, the Israelites, from Egypt. It's the first time that you ever hear, now we're giving them a name. You see, they were Hebrews up until this point. They were followers of Israel. But now now we're calling them a a group of people. Israelites now becomes an official title for them. Uh, But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and see, uh, hang on, and free the Israelites from Egypt? And he said, I will be with you that you shall be your sign. Duh. that is what that is what i that is that it was i who sent you and when you have freed the people from egypt you shall worship god at this mountain did moses said to god when i come to the israelites and say to them the god of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me what is his name what shall i say to you he said and god said to moses which literally means I, am, I will be what I will be, or I am what I am. Um, he continued, Thus shall say to the Lord, uh, say to the Israelites, Oh, I lost my place. Ech sent me to you, which literally means I am, or in some translations put it as will be. Uh, should really be I am, just from a Hebrew perspective. And God said further to Moses, thus shall you speak to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This shall be my name forever. This my appellation for unity. So go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have appeared to me and said, I have taken note of you and what is being done to you in Egypt, and I have declared, I will take you out of the misery of Egypt and to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. They will listen to you, then you shall go with the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, no, not backwards manifested himself to us. Now, therefore, let us go a distance of three days into the wilderness to sacrifice the Lord our God. Yet I know that that king of Egypt will let you go only because of a greater mind. So I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with various wonders, which I will work upon them. After that, he shall let you go and I will dispose the Egyptians favorably toward this people. So that when you go, you will not go away empty handed. Each woman shall borrow from her neighbor and the lodger and her house objects of silver and gold and clothing, and you shall put these on your sons and daughters, thus stripping the Egyptians. I'm just going to keep going. if That's okay, because you can't stop in the middle of the story. But Moses spoke up and said, what, what if they do not believe me and do not listen to me, but say the Lord did not appear to you? The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he replied, a rod. They said, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground and it became a snake. And Moses recoiled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and grasp it by the tail. He put out his hand and seized it, and it became the rod, became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob did appear to you. The Lord said to him further, Put your hand into your bosom. He put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, his hand was encrusted with snowy scales. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And he said, put your hand back into your bosom. He put his hand back into his bosom, and when he took it out of his bosom, there again was like the rest of his body. And if they do not believe you or pay heed to the first sign, they will believe the second. And if they are not convinced by these signs and still do not heed you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and and, and it, the water that you take from the Nile will turn to blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Please, O Lord, I have never been a man of words, either in times past or now, that you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who gives man speech? Who makes him dumb or deaf, seeing, seeing or blind? Is it, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak and will instruct you as to what to say. But he said, please, the oh Lord, make someone else your agent. The Lord became angry with Moses. And he said, there's your brother Aaron, the Levite. He, I know, speaks readily. Even now he is setting out to meet you and he will be happy to see you. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with you and with him as you speak and tell both of you what to do. And he shall speak for you to the people. Thus he shall serve as your spokesman, with you playing the role of God to him and take you take with you this rod and with you shall perform the signs. So we're just gonna pause right there. So there's your moment where we know that he has a
1: stutter. That was comforting
0: to me as a child. So it took a long time to get past the stutter, and you guys hear it every once in a while, but it's still it's one of those things that you I, I got into I, I really think my mom and dad encouraged me to take voice lessons because singing there is no stutter because it, it goes away and then through training and all that stuff, your stutter kind of goes away. But it comes it comes back when I'm not paying attention and nor if I'm tired, you know. Um, so for me that was a cool message when I was a kid, but look look at all the stuff that's happening here. Um uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah, go ahead. I pause for, for <laughs> questions.
1: That well,
3: seems kind of funny that all of a sudden we have a brother that we never knew about. Oh, <laughs> I really?
0: mean, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got a name. Yeah. Mir- Miriam hasn't even been named yet.
3: And he's got to be important because he does have a name. And, and I mean, we,
0: know, we know that he does have name. And he's, he's going to speak. Oh, and what what is he again? A Levi. Oh, yeah. I got to mention that again. He's a <laughs> Levi. They just name everybody else in the, in the background. Betty.
1: I think, I
3: think it's unusual, or I never noticed it before, that all the people that he and God are talking about are the areas in with it, like Israelites. Uh, yeah, thank you, Sally. But I had never noticed that before.
2: Just means of that place,
0: doesn't it? Yep, it literally just means of that place. So, it's funny because you can't do that with Assyrians or Babylonians, but you can do it with everybody else.
2: Canaanites.
0: Canaanites. Well, Philistines, you can't. Oh yeah, Philistines. But nobody likes them anyway. That's right. They might as well be like Naz Nazarites. <laughs> well, they don't call them that, but it's a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> So there's there's a lot a lot that just took place. Uh, God speaks to him. This I want to talk a little bit about the beginning of this, which is kind of fascinating. Uh, I don't want to go too far around a rabbit trail, but it's kind of important
1: in Torah
0: and the Hebrew culture. One cannot see the face of God or hear the voice of God uh after joseph like really no nobody really can and, and this is a problem moses is hearing god's voice and Samuel does. yeah and samuel hears god's voice that's right that's much later uh but, but only only the mashiach people get to right because they're superheroes so they get to hear they, they're so powerful they even can hear the words of god i i isaiah uh sees the hem of god's robe Right, but he doesn't die, um, which is an interesting conversation. What we study? Isaiah, which we've only studied like the first twelve chapters. But uh, so, so there's a there's a weird thing here because uh, the Hebrew culture absolutely one hundred percent believes in angels. Um, have no 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 qualms or compunctions about it. Um, put them in the same category as celestial beings. Christians, uh, specifically Protestant Christians, really struggle the conversation of angels because, again, we don't have anything that really talks about them except for bits and pieces of, of the Bible. The, the most conversation we have about angels is in the book of Enoch, which, again, we took out of the canon. Um, why? I don't really know, except for that it's fantastical. We don't like anything doesn't sound easy. So we took that out of the New Testament. Um Daniel talks a lot about angels. Um, Ezekiel talks about angels. There's no questions for them, but it's an angel that catches the bush on fire. And, it, and, and a lot of our, our understanding, even our Sunday school text says that's God in the bush. I, I want you all to, to catch that, that, that that is not what the Hebrew text said. God does not appear as fire. God appears as fire through an angel. Um there's a, it's a semantic problem for me because God has not revealed itself um, or God's self in, in human flesh for a very, very long time or where human beings can see it. Um, the angels now become the messengers. So the word literally is Melek right there, the messenger there, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, notice that he takes his sandals off uh still practice today that when you go into the synagogue you take your shoes off and you walk into the, uh, the synagogue to, to pray um i think if christians started to take their shoes off outside the door it would have an interesting conversation um, but you know to think of the sanctuary as sacred and holy ground to take one's shoes off even to walk barefoot in that place is uh for us disconcerting but for them that was a whole part of their culture like, again they still do that today when you go to, if you go to a, a muslim mosque for example even when you go visit the tomb of abraham they absolutely make you take your shoes off like, and, and you just feel weird you're walking around with shoes and socks they let you walk around with your socks but uh, it's holy ground you see that's something i've always found fascinating about this passage of scripture because it's a worship thing again um then, then then once he's done this, God speaks to him, makes the challenge but before he tells him what he's going to do, Moses automatically argues with God. What if they do not believe him? how am I going to do this? Who, who are you to tell me I get to do this? you know there's a this is another characteristic of a Hebrew Bible prophet as well as uh, what I would call a Mashiach. They have the ability to ask God questions. Why do you think that would be important? He's the hero of the story. Why would it be
1: important that you get to hear him ask questions? Make him human. Mm-hmm. What's it say about God?
2: He doesn't mind questions.
0: He doesn't like questions, but... He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind, oh, does mind questions. Yeah. He doesn't mind questions. He might get frustrated with the amount of questions, right? Because when he ends up, he he gets a little angry at at, at one point in this story, right? But it's because there's a lack of faith in the conversation. Mm -hmm. If I if I have trust in any of you, which I do, and I say I trust you with my life, then then when my life is being threatened, I should be able to trust you that you're going to take care of me. Uh, moses is supposed to have that kind of trust with god moses hasn't been well we have been taught that he wasn't raised to understand hebrew culture but if his mom nursed him until he was grown up in the hebrew world he would know hebrew he would know his culture
2: he obviously identified with them they killed the egyptian
0: right off the bat hmm so it's not a coincidence. You see why that translation is uh, swirly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Doesn't make sense a three-year-old would know those things. But.
2: This goes back, but did Moses ever know that was his mom? That they were, did she ever reveal that? Yeah, if he was there till he was 12, yeah, I would think so.
0: That would be what they would say. Literally what she just said. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the Hebrew culture would put emphasis on that, that he would have brought up in the ways of their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I and yeah, and 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 he would know I that know he's Levi. I know what Levite. the
2: purpose of the Levites was at that time.
0: Well, it's just another tribe.
2: <laughs> it's just another tribe.
0: But the ones that are writing it are saying, "Well, but you know, this is why we're so important. Yeah. <laughs> this,
1: we're going to be something. We're going to be
0: something important. There's a there's a there's a definite human component about the constant reminder, and we're Levites." <laughs> You know, we're literally the descendants of Moses. You're welcome.
3: (laughs) I find it kind of interesting in thinking back in my childhood, I remember the burning bush in Mm -hmm. the story. I don't remember really basically God telling Moses to throw the rod down and to get the water out of the Nile it'll be blood. Things that are, or are stories that are going to be for, it's a foretold foretelling mm-hmm. of what is going to happen to Moses once he goes back to Egypt, mm-hmm. but I don't remember that part. I just remember God talking through the burning bush.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, so, that's, that's, which, that's why we read it. Yeah,
3: you know, to me, I find it interesting that all of these stories <laughs> I hadn't it's because I'm right. on board, they don't.
1: It's a wire. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <On that
2: line. laughs> you know, I remember this. <laughs> and I remember the uh, water turning to blood, but I don't remember the hand. The hand the
0: turning into scales? Mm-hmm. Mine says leprosy. Leprosy, yeah. Leprosies? yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I yeah. don't remember this. That. That's funny that it, they went ahead and just said, it's leprosy. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that, I I had forgotten the leprosy part, too. Um even even as many times as i read it i always remember oh yeah i I don't remember that at all but you know uh again like kim said that's a foretelling and you're not going to put a guy with leprosy on a flannel board yeah right like i mean karen you're you're right on the money part part of the problem with when we talk about these books in sunday school is we have 15 minutes if we're lucky. Right. <laughs> and, and even as adults. And boys are <laughs> That's right. And the flannel board is like this big and the characters are about that tall if you're lucky. Oh no, probably. <laughs> and I just uh I, I think I don't even
3: remember flannel boards, but
0: oh, oh I, I, I definitely used them at the beginning of yes. work working in menis- youth ministry, Christian education. We, we didn't have computers back then, like I mean when I first started working in churches. We had computers. The teachers
2: probably
3: use boards. Yeah. I didn't use a flowerboard. But with that story, I mean, I don't even, you would think at my age now, that <laughs> as your as the child grows older, you're going to expand the story.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean. Mm-hmm. But
2: we only expand it to his going to Egypt or something. Yeah. We don't
3: expand you, it to all these little details. Exactly. Which, which leaves out a bunch.
0: It leaves out a lot. Aaron becomes a huge character in the story. He's yeah. not on the Shia by any stretch of the means. But the part that's always fascinating to me is, is if you read this part, who speaks to the pharaoh then?
1: Yeah. Aaron's
0: going to be the one who speaks to the pharaoh. And even in the flannel board days, the only image that we have is Moses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they're
0: both standing there while Moses is speaking to Aaron. And Aaron is speaking on behalf of, of Moses. So, yeah, so the story itself is even... It wrong
3: he's really here now to tell us why
1: he
0: was there. <laughs> That's right. she go read the... She's, oh, she's read right, the she already told me. It's all oh, I, I, I can understand.
3: mind <laughs> kind of
2: wonder back to um, Moses's mother going to nurse him and all that kind of stuff. I would imagine... She's probably holding him, I love you, Moses, or I love you, you know, speaking family type things into him. And it sounds to me like she was favored. Did she live? (laughs)
1: We don't
2: know anything else about her. According to the (laughs) movie, she did yeah
0: she, had, she had lived in the palace but you know it, it's funny because
3: <laughs> so she left all of her other family yes that's what
2: happened to that <laughs> you well know, i don't i don't think she was in the <clears throat> house because it said they took the baby and took her to her mother to his mother so she was probably just at home
0: well and, and what they're talking about is in the movie, The Prince of yeah. Egypt, she's there and everybody's happy. And then they bring her at the end, you know, it's this, and, and the, the, which is a really good example of a midrash, by the way. Like that part that you see in these movies, it's like, what would happen if? Yeah. Because there's not a, we don't get the answer here. Like the coolest part of the story would be, oh, look, he's bringing in his dad too. Yeah. Zipporah barely gets mentioned after this, right? Sephora yeah. is this. Minion princess that literally has everything that they could ever want and somehow or another decides to go ahead and go with Moses but we always forget about uh, Jethro in the sense that he's he's a high priest uh, of evidently a monotheistic God that understands Torah Torah a- aka
1: mm-hmm.
0: possibly maybe an Ishmaelite mm-hmm.
1: Thank you.
2: Because I was
0: just thinking, okay, how did he find out that it could be an Ishmaelite? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a fascinating story historically and anthropologically, but it is absolutely fantastical. The parts that I really wanted you to catch were the the foreshadowing, the the interesting parts of the worship experience there. There's a lot of holes that are there on purpose, uh, because it would what would happen is that they would be in discussion like we are. Well, what happens to the mom? Well, what happens to the dad? What, and then and then what happened would be in the in the way that they would teach. Is, is then they would spend two or three hours discussing how God works, you know, in that in the in the midst of the questions, which is something that we've lost. You know, Christianity has lost that. We are, I mean, even now I'm I'm, I'm worried about making sure I pick up Nigel on time. You know, there's this uh, there's this idea that we have so. Little time because uh, we have everything so planned. But in their culture, this was what you do. You know, this sitting down, having these stories, talking about it, and then going, well, What if, what if God? Oh, and you remember that one time that God did this for so and so? You know, it's and it started off with the people were groaning, God hears them, God responds, and here's the response. See, that's 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 kind of the beauty. So we're gonna Josh clear. yes Ben
3: in chapter 6 we will find out the name of Moses's birth mother and father they cover that
0: right which which we when we get to it it gets we'll talk more about the reasoning that they did that yeah uh-huh. Where did I stop? I stopped at
2: 18.
0: Okay. So we'll pick up at chapter four, verse 18 next week. All right. Any other questions, comments before I stop the
1: recording?